Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pallet right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Time to play the game where we find out who's capping. It is... is the game where we find out if this is the bullshit. Nasua new rule. Co-producer Smart's Co. What's going on with you, sir? Everything is well, man. I just, uh, me and my wife, my wife and I, we just went to the Legends of the Street tour. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. We went to Baltimore. Um, we got to see Fabulous. Yes. Little Kim. That's dope. Uh, then after Little Kim, it was Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane. Okay. Two Chains, Young Jeezy, and then Rick Ross. Now, you said Little Boosie was not in attendance. He was not in attendance. The promoters wouldn't let him get on the show. He got into an altercation on stage <laughs> at the previous uh, uh, date, tour date. So, what, what happened? Did he see Little Nas X or something like that? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll leave that alone. We'll leave that alone. We're doing enough of that later on in the show. So, we got Sean B on. Sean B. Sean I, B is on all day. I really like Sean B, man. With us, uh, we're going to be talking about The Closer. Okay. That Dave Chappelle special. Yes. We're going to be talking about the state of BET. Is BET the network for us to watch us? Mm. We're going to talk about that. That's a good question. We're going to talk about what's going on in Haiti right now with our Haitian brothers and sisters while they're migrating to the U.S. for the things that's going on in Haiti right now and why they're getting basically lassoed up by cowboys at the border. And then we're also going to talk about two allegedly racist teachers. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We got a lot going on. Mm. All right. You ready for the show? I'm ready. You ready to start this game? I'm ready to start this game. I am ready to start this game. Let's so. I wonder, Smarts, I wonder, why would she do this in a predominantly African-American area? Hmm. The Douglasville Police Department in Georgia announced in a news release posted on Facebook that a 30-year-old woman from Brookmont, a small Douglasville area by the name of Teresha Lucas, is charged with eight counts of making terroristic threats, ghostwriting as the Ku Klux Klan. The racially charged notes began to appear in the mailboxes of residents of the subdivision Brookmont back in December 2020. The notes claimed to be written by a member of the KKK and threatened to burn down homes and kill people. Two of the notes described the author as a six foot tall white man with a long red beard who did not live in the neighborhood. I guess Santa likes to hang out and uh, dye his uh, beard red and hang out in Georgia when you know when it's hot. That's crazy. Anyway, Smarts, is it the bullshit that she learned this tactic from Georgia Republican real estate agents? Wow. <laughs> That's some BS. So people are really doing that now. Well, if you like that one, Smarts, check out this one. You're going to laugh at that. You know, working at a call center, I never knew you could do something like this. Okay. <laughs> a road call center worker turned city-funded hotel rooms for people exposed to COVID-19 into her own off-the-books lodging service, pocketed money from illegal guests who threw raucous parties. 30-year-old Shanette Lewis and three other members of her Set It Off Batty gang were charged this past Tuesday. Here's what was going on. Using the city's hotel room isolation program, which was created in March 2020 to quarantine healthcare workers exposed to COVID as well as regular people who caught the virus, the government foots the bill for the rooms as public health measure. Jeanette 
who worked for an Office of Emergency Management call center that handled these reservations for the rooms, giving her access to healthcare workers' information, she and her team would allegedly use the workers' information to book rooms for people simply looking for a cheap hotel. Jeanette charged the guests a discounted fee for the rooms while the city footed the actual bill. In total, Jeanette and her set-it-off baddie gang booked more than 2,700 overnight stays through their sketchy-ass business, costing the government more than $400,000. Smarts, I ask you, is it the bullshit that she turned Air COV into Airbnb? Yo, once again, where do they find these jobs? Where do they find these people? Yo, that's crazy. 400000 I've been working at Dish Network too long. That's crazy. I got to work at a better call center. That is some BS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. And finally, and finally, and finally, Smarts, this one is long. This one is major long. I'm sorry, but the story is is too good. Okay. I have to read it. Okay. I have to dabble in the reading. Let's go. All right. Um, You are a real estate agent, sort of, correct? No, not an agent, but I dabble in a little bit of real estate. Let me dabble. No. <laughs> yo, shout to Tony Baker, man. Word, shout yo. to Tony Baker. Man. Shout out to Tony Baker. A 55-year-old woman by the name of Sherry Lee Hefferin of Landenburg, Pennsylvania is charged with two counts of murder and related weapons violations in the death of her father, John Enders, an 87-year-old man, and his girlfriend, six, oh, I'm sorry, not 65, 75-year-old friend Coyce Pitoy of Manchester, New Jersey. This is Ocean County, New Jersey, for those who don't know. They were found dead at Enders' waterfront home on Long Beach Allen. According to an affidavit written by Surf City Police Detective Sergeant Victor Rice, Sherry Lee, a real estate agent, told her father she wanted to be the broker on her father's home and became disgruntled when Enders did not let her sell the house. Enders' Bayfront home on North 7th Street is currently listed for sale at $1.9 million. Okay, okay. In the affidavit, Enders had amended his will within the last month and it did not include one daughter by the name of Sherry Lee. In the affidavit, Sherry Lee owned a white 28-foot Winnebago. Investors found surveillance camera footage trained on the Long Beach Allen Bridge, also called the Route 72 Bridge, which showed a white RV similar to a white Winnebago described in the affidavit heading east toward the Allen on September 29th at 4.48 p.m. 4.48 p.m. Ten minutes later, a ring doorbell showed the RV pull up near the Ender's home at North 7th Street, then leave the street about an hour after with the headlights off. Mm. Cameras then capture a person on foot on the street walking towards Ender's house. About an hour after that, at 6.42 a.m., a.m., a camera captures a I'm sorry, a camera captures a person hopping a backyard fence near Ender's home while holding a orange bag and wearing clothes that were 
quote unquote, too large for them. What is going on here? At 6.43 a.m., a person was captured on video walking east on North 6th Street and at 6.58 p.m., I'm pretty sure that's the next day, Mm -hmm. a surveillance camera on the bridge showed the RV heading west over the bridge. So hold on, real fast. What they're basically saying, I believe, I'm just spitballing. This woman came there in the, like, afternoon Mm -hmm. or evening, chilled in her Winnebago. Mm -hmm. Well, not even chill. She did whatever she had to go do. Right. And then chilled in the Winnebago, waited till the next morning, then leave. Okay. To make it seem like she had been sitting there the whole... Okay, got it. There you go. There you go. So, in the affidavit, Rice wrote... I'm sorry. In the affidavit, Rice, that's basically uh, the police officer, wrote that police arrived at the home Sunday in response to a welfare check uh, requested by a relative of Patoy's family. From the outside, they saw what appeared to be a dead male. They went inside to investigate and found both victims dead of apparent stab wounds. The affidavit describes a gruesome scene with blood in several places, as well as a bloody foot and shoe prints, a discarded rubber glove on the stairs, and blood on a fence post near where the person was captured on surveillance footage. Almost sounds like a sports player in the 90s. We won't won't go there. We won't go there. On October 4th, Police went to Sherry Lee's home in Chester County, Pennsylvania and arrested her that evening on an unrelated warrant for her arrest. It's always an unrelated warrant that gets you locked up. It's never what you did. Kind of like that sports player in the 90s. Anyway, anyway, (laughs) a Winnebago was at the house. Detectives interviewed a family member from the home who said Sherry Lee left the house to visit her father on Long Beach Island the previous week on Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't believe she did this. The person, the, I'm sorry. I can't believe she did this. The person told police and said Sherry Lee was the only one who drove the RV in the last two weeks. The person further said, the person further said they and Sherry Lee blamed Patoy and his girlfriend for wanting to sell the home. And they believed that she, Miss Patoy, was after their father's money. Okay. Pennsylvania State Police detectives executed a search warrant on the Winnebago and found numerous spots of red staining on the carpet appearing to be consistent with dry blood. The next day, Sherry Lee was charged with murder in Ocean County, New Jersey. Smarts, I ask you. <laughs> I ask you, Smarts. Before you ask me? Yes, sir. Was she heifering? Is that a... uh? <laughs> Is that a verb? <laughs> <laughs> it will be when she go to jail. <laughs> smart, I ask you. <laughs> I ask you, smart, smart, I ask you. I ask you, smart, smart, I ask you. I ask you, smart. Let's go. <laughs> Is it the bull that if you really wanted to be a part of your 87-year-old father's will, all you had to do was buy your pops a couple of lap dances for some pros down in Atlantic City so that you could have been selling that $1.9 million house in no time? You ain't got to answer that! (laughs) Come on! Man. I got a I got an eighty something year old great uncle with a with a with a down payment on the house right now. Man. How many how many women you think I'm feeding him? <laughs> the answer is all of them. Thank you. <laughs> you bye bye. Heifers be heiferin. It's a bunch of us. I'm in the colony. Everybody on a mountain, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash your bird 40 on a tech. Yeah, I make the nerdy if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do 
Respect that nation. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sweets, and I'm your chief flight attendant. On behalf of the pilot and the entire crew, welcome aboard the late night flight. And here is your captain, the Now River of New Jersey, the pilot of Tuskegee Training, the greatest Henny Badger who has ever lived, the creator of Black Pilot Radio and the Late Night Flight. Here is the victorious one, Nassour Nuru. What up, my passengers? We are first in priority and will be departing in five minutes. We appreciate your business. With that being said, this flight ain't cheap. Donate to the cash app, dollar sign, the late night flight. Now, it might be a little turbulence, but we are predicting clear skies on our way back to Jersey. But before we do, do us a solid. Give us a like on our Facebook page. Follow us on IG to click the link tree in the bio. Chirp at us on Twitter at the late night flight. And you can catch all 63 episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Amazon Music, Audible, The Late Night QR Scan, wherever, wherever, wherever podcasts are available. Now let's take off. Welcome back to The Late Night Flight, Nassua, New Rule. Sean B is with us. This is episode 63. And before we get into all these great topics that we're going to talk to, because you know when we talk to Sean B, you already know you're getting information. You're getting entertainment. I believe we call the word infotainment. So before we even get to all these other topics, these racist teachers, the, the status quo of BET and all these other things we got going on, I want to talk about October 5th, 2021. My favorite comedian of all time has returned for what he called his final special for now. Hopefully that means you're going to start doing the Chappelle show. Okay. Dave Chappelle, the closer. Again, I'm, I'm going to just give you a couple of takeaways and then I'll let you have it. The first takeaway, another brilliant comedy show, another brilliant yes. stand up yes. special. I mean, it's, very different from Sticks and Stones because Sticks and Stones for me may be my favorite Dave Chappelle special, even more funnier than Killing Them Softly, which was, I mean, Killing Them Softly was amazing. Because, I mean, you right. got, I don't even want to say it's prom Chappelle, but it's peak Chappelle as far as the zany Dave Chappelle from back in the day. Like when, when he first started Chappelle showing, he had, like his voice was even more high pitched. And he was doing even more slapstick with his comedy because he's he's an intellectual, first off, foremost. Everybody should know that by now. But he knows how to use this slapstick. Like he's very Richard Pryor with his body, but he's very Chris Rock with his verbiage. Would mm -hmm. you agree with that? Mm -hmm. So yep. so here's my thing. I'm going to just get right into what I didn't like. I'll tell you all the things that I like later on. But here's the thing that I didn't like. So as you know. Since the uh, the art of war, and, and I do, I um, mean, the art of war, the art of spin, I do love the fact that he brung his whole Netflix special thing full circle. He started with the art of spin, telling us a story about how he bombed in Detroit. In Detroit. Where did he do the show at, Sean? Detroit. Detroit. So, you know, full circle style. This is a great storyteller, by the way. And then, again, he does a full circle on Women, he talked about the Me Too movement. I thought he explained that very well. He talked about the LGBTQ community, which I definitely think he explained well. Um, I love the fact that he made sure he used his comedy specials as the outliner to say, I never hated you. And I think he did that very well. 
Yep. Now, yeah. when he talked to the transgender community, again, he made his point very well. What I didn't like is that it just took him 25 minutes of the show to do it. And I'm talking about once I got to minute 20, like like, like the increment, I'm talking increment times, like 2987 or whatever, 2987, that's not a real increment time, 2957 or something like that. It just turned into the trans jokes. And again, I'm not here to say whether you should laugh or not laugh at trans jokes, your, your laughter, or how you look at comedy is your prerogative with this segment that I'm, that I'm putting together for the people of America. What I'm saying is I just felt like in 2021 where gay America has found a way to anything you say about them, like even right now, I'm scared to just say gay American because they may take that as, you know what, let's cancel this brother. Like that's, they're good at that right now. Yeah. They are good at that. Gay America have a way of canceling you as soon as you say the G word, which is ridiculous to me, because if they think they're taking a page out of the black American book by doing that, you're wrong. We don't get mad at white people just for saying black. We worry about what says what's after all of that. Right. You know what I mean? Gay people be mad when you just say, nah, well, you know. I don't hang out with enough gay people to know what gay people do. Oh, now that's a problem. You don't, you don't like gay people? Ah, get, get, that, get that show off of, out of here. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those type of things with them. And I'm going to put that out there. I'm not trying to come at the gay community. I'm just saying this is what's going on and this is what Dave Chappelle is articulating to the fans. At the end, he did say, hey, do not press down on my people. Do not press down on my people because if people disagree with you and don't show any hatred towards you, that doesn't mean that they should be canceled. Now, if they disrespect you and make you and feel like you should be shamed for whatever sexual orientation you want to bring about, then maybe they should get canceled. Not maybe they should get canceled. But when no one is doing that and they're just saying, I don't live that life, I disagree. Why is that problematic to a point where no one can't eat anymore? What did you get out of that conversation that, that Dave Chappelle was looking to have with the people of Detroit? Man, again, huge onion, a lot of layers, love it. Let me go, let me jump, just dive right in there and talk about it. Because for me, I looked at Dave and, and, and I was probably so into the special, I literally lost track of time. And it was so eerily weird to me because I almost felt like some of my thoughts Dave expressed in his jokes. Some of my frustrations Dave expressed in his jokes. I mean, we're now in a situation, particularly with that community, that they they have different lingo. I mean, I had never heard of punching down and and other things. And Dave kind of hit on some of that stuff too, right? But, you know, Dave has been the the face because, like you said, these Netflix specials, he really tackles a lot of complicated issues. And as a result, he gets heckled in his personal life all the time. People mess with him and probably around his friend and and families and, and so forth. And so, you know, this is a guy who keeps all of this stuff in. He even watches the news. He sees what other people are going through. Again, he mentioned Kevin Hart. And this was a dream of Kevin Hart to be able to host, what was it, the Oscars that he wanted to do, right? Yes, sir. And was canceled because of that. And then if you think about that, somebody had to go pull up an old 
video of Kevin Hart when he cracked the joke about the LBGTQ community at that time. And not that it was current. This was a joke that happened a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden, they made such a big deal about it. He was, you know, he stepped away from doing that. And that was his dream job. And that really bothered me and so many others, right? Because let's just face it, in all of our communities, we all have certain thoughts. We all say certain things behind closed doors. We all say certain things in our mind. Right. But then, you know, if you catch us at the right time with a hot mic or around somebody that we didn't know that was in that community, any at any given time, some of us can get in trouble. Any of us can get in trouble, yeah, right? right? Because we actually just kind of shared that because A, there's a lack of understanding from our part and B, in our community, let's just face it, a lot of people may not like this, but in the black community, we've always had a certain prejudice toward the gay community because it sort of comes up culturally on... You know, they talk about that in churches. Mm. You know, they talk about what the Bible says about that. And so, believe it or not, it, that that comes up with us culturally. And then some of us may not understand that politically, that might not be politically correct to say that now because you, you put those thoughts and ideas and feelings out there. You are subject to lose so much. Your job, money, you can get into fights. So many things can happen as a result of that. But it's like we don't have an opportunity. What makes me so mad is that this community is so powerful and so strong that even before we as a community can evolve to be accepting of all people, we make a mistake, we're canceled. We're canceled as a if we made a mistake. Again, I'm not trying to say what the baby said mm -hmm, mm -hmm. shouldn't have come with consequences. Somebody should have been in his camp and say, hey man, you might not want to do that. Mm -hmm. that. If you say that, that might come with consequences. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose sponsors. But that didn't happen, so it came with consequences. At, at a, and did he, he, he did go back and apologize for it. Didn't he did, he? definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he did. So again, give us some room is what I'm asking. Look, Dave even mentioned that one thing that he was jealous of I was, was ask the you about movement. Mm -hmm. The movement that this community have to do you, make do you think? Happen. Do you think, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even mean to cut you off, but do you think that, because I know that Dave Chappelle said that he was jealous, but the fact that he said it like that, do you think that he said that as um, basically as a statement for black Americans, like he was speaking, like of course he was speaking on behalf of himself, but do you think that there are millions of black Americans, black American men, black American women that are heterosexual? Again, we're not coming against gay people. We're just asking a question here. Do you think that there are heterosexual men and women, black American heterosexual men and women that are jealous of the progressive, I mean, the progression, the progression of gay American? Well, you know what? If they're not, they should be because I am. I am. I mean, look. Nobody has suffered in this country more than we have. We have people have gone through it from slavery on down and we're still catching hell today and we're still having problems unifying. And then you look back and again, I get it. They too are being harassed. Yes. They too are having a rough time yes. in life as well. So I get the movement. But at some point in time, it's like, why can't we? get ourselves established and be just as powerful. So like Dave said, I sit back in awe because I'm kind of jealous that they got it together. But where I get angry is when they go too far with it. You know, now they're going after people without saying, hey, maybe we need to sit down with the baby's representatives and talk to him and just educate him on how this was hurtful. 
instead of go out there and destroy this man or try to destroy this man's career. It, they go immediately into attack mode. Some people may not be able to survive it. Their careers could be over there. They could lose their jobs. And then I think that's where it goes too far. I applaud their movement. I sit up there and be like, man, I wish we can do the same thing because I think we could get so much done if we had that kind of motivation and energy behind us based off the things that we're seeing that's happening in us from schools to the jobs to everything. We have to be able to have that kind of energy and we don't, you know, black women give it to them. They're starting to realize that and they're taking that energy to voting. Right. Black men, we're lacking in that area. So, yeah. I, I was I was like, yeah, I was applauding when when uh, Chappelle made that comment about being jealous of their movement because I felt the same way. So the 40 minutes of him talking about the gay community, you didn't have an issue with that. You didn't because for me, I had an issue with that, like not in the, not because he talked about them. It was more of, yo, they didn't they didn't need 40 minutes of that. Like, give me 25 minutes of that and then talk about other people. And I'd have been good with that. You know. If you if you go back and I'm you you're a Dave Chappelle fan. Yes. And I, I think Dave strategically was 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 delivering his stories um structurally to a certain degree. Cause yeah, he joked about them, but at the same time, the way he closed it with the Daphne Dorman story. Yes. Literally was like you laughed, but then Dave took you on this roller coaster ride where you kind of cried. Yes, yes. At the end. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And that was the brilliant part of it. You laughed. I mean, you felt the anger. You laughed and you cried. He broke that thing down that it didn't feel like 25 minutes. I just jumped on the roller coaster, put my hatch on and went along for the ride that minutes never even crossed my mind. I want to I was you- I was feeling them emotionally the whole step. I want to ask you this last question about this. Then we can go to another segment. So check me out. Who do you think? Let's say he he's he's riding off in the sunset. I'm I'm done with comedy as far as on stage for a little while. Maybe I'll start working on that on that on that sketch comedy on, on the Chappelle show. But here goes my question for you: Who is the next black comedian? And I'm not talking about Cat Williams or. Chris Rock, any of these goats, Kevin Hart. We're not talking about any of these uh, good people. Wanda Sykes, we're not talking about them. They're goats. They they have paved the way. Who is someone new? Whether they are 50, 60, 70, 20 years old, just someone that's new on stage the last two or three years that you consider the next funniest black American or, or, or comedian, period. You don't even have to be black, but just someone that can speak for black Americans. Who's the next one? Have you heard? Man, that is wow. You know, I think this is the first time you may have stomped me because what makes when you say speak for black America, are you saying like wrapping it up in a joke, but they're also bringing complicated issues that most folks are afraid to talk about and they're packaging it like that? Or you're just talking about a brilliant comedic or comedy period, comedian or com- comedian Period. So I'm going to answer the question and I'm going exp- to explain why in 50 seconds. So I'm saying both. And the reason why I'm saying both is because my father, and it's so funny because you're reminding me of, uh, I wish you was like my uncle right now because we could have all been watching Def Comedy Jam together. I think we would have had a blast, me, you, and my father. Because um, here's the thing. I'm going to say some names. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Cat Williams, uh, to a certain degree, Kevin Hart, Bernie Mac, Steve Harvey, Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, Dave Chappelle. Um, 
I'm mad. I feel, I feel bad that I didn't say a, a black woman uh, comedian. I may want to say Wanda Sykes on this because mm-hmm. what they do, great. What they do, and I mean, I love Samoa, and Samoa's really good, but I didn't put her in this pantheon of names for a reason. I think these names that I just said, what they have done for me as a young man, as a young person, young black person, was they found ways to not only do their regular slapstick stick comedy, but they also put the culture in the comedy. And it was almost like I got a, another teaching lesson. You know, like you go to high school, you learn whatever, and then you get some informal education from Chris Rock. That's what I, that's what I got from the, these people that just said their names. So I'm trying to find out who's the next one that can do that or will do that. Wow, that's that's a really really good question, man. Because I don't uh, think I don't, I don't think it's one, honestly. I, I don't I don't think we have one. So I'm kind of mad that Dave Chappelle is closing the door for right now because we really don't have that next generation talent that can do that. I I, I totally agree. And that's what makes it difficult. I I one time was sort of looking at Amanda Seals at one time, right? And then man, I have a hard time figuring out Amanda Seals because sometimes she's brilliant with her delivery. Uh-huh. And then sometimes she almost come off as like she might be bashing me in a little bit, right? So I have yet to kind of figure her out and I'm reluctant to put her name out there. Right. But you know, some some other ones that I'm thinking about is it's, uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, they, they're going to leave some big shoes to fill because I have yet to be on that circuit where I'm following these up and coming comedians, but probably one that probably comes to mind that I hear a lot about uh, from a buzzworthy perspective is, uh, are you familiar with Big Ja? Okay, so Big Ja has, he's a YouTube guy too. He has these TV uh, shows. Well, I don't call it a TV show, but he have like a 10, 12 minute sitcom mm-hmm. show if you want to say it like that. And I ain't going to lie to you. The guy gets a million views, so I can't, I can't hate on it. I don't think it's good, though. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the fasten seatbelt sign, and you may now move around the cabin. However, we always recommend to keep your seatbelt fastened through the trials and tribulations while you're seated. In a few moments, the flight attendants will be passing around the drink menu as well as the brunch menu. We only have chicken or waffles or both. So choose wisely. And thank you for flying the late night flight. Welcome back to the Late Night Flight Nassua. New rule. Sean B. is with us. And before Sean says anything, before Sean says anything, before we even talk about what I saw on his Instagram handle, we're going to let you know about two racist teachers or alleged racist teachers. But before we get into that, Sean, I saw this post that you made on your IG handle at being uh, being blunt pod. My apologies. So I saw a guy that looked like a 2021 cowboy or at least the Colombian man that would carry those coffee beans on the mountain with the donkey. It was something <laughs> like that because I saw a carpet on the saddle. I was like, hold up, only Colombians do that with that, that handle coffee beans. That's what I see on TV. But anyway, and I saw him doing, uh, I don't want to say doing, but performing a lasso move, if you will, on two black brothers. And you were saying that, well... We're letting, and I'm paraphrasing, so I hope I'm a little right. I don't, I don't want to say that you were saying about the, the Afghanistan refugees that's coming to the U.S., or maybe it was about the Hispanic refugees that get to come to the U.S., which is all fine and dandy for you because you're not saying that's bad. What you're saying is, why are we having this treatment with our 
immigrant blacks, our Haitian Americans, if you will, or our Haitians that are looking to have American citizenship because of what's going on in Haiti right now, um, they're basically lassoing them up, hog tying them, treating them like cattle. What's going on right now with this situation? And why did you want to express that to us? I posted that because it actually enraged me to see uh, the Border Patrol sort of use the reins of their of, of their horseback or their horses um, really whipping and trying to uh, what you what, what would I say sort of bring or force Haitian men back to where they were going either out of the water or, or to a certain area where they was trying to round them up and it was really reminiscent of what it looked like for slave owners to be whipping slaves and you're looking at that in 2021 of a group of people who look like you and I literally coming over here to the U.S. or trying to get here from the U.S. looking for a better life. Let's just face it. Haiti right now is rough. They're very poor. They, they, they have a very corrupt government. And these people are fighting for their lives right now. And it's a lot of violence going over there. So just like anybody, they want to bring a better life for their families. And they attempted to come to the U.S. via Mexico. That's how they ended up over there in Texas. And they were met with U.S. officials who were treating them in this inhumane way for the whole world to see. And as a result, you saw that repatriation of all of them being sent back to Haiti. Why do the American government have this policy? And maybe it's not in the Constitution, but it definitely is this physical, I see this on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC policy all the time, where there is someone that's a little darker in the melanin. I mean, you could be a light brown brother. I'm just saying, but just someone that's much more brown than other people that are immigrants. Let's say if you're a Polish immigrant or a Russian immigrant, why is it someone with a more browner pigmentation that lives outside of the U.S.? Why do they get hassled just as much as Abdul or Rahim that lives in Texas? I'm trying to figure that one out. Well, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. Unfortunately, a lot of things, a lot of policies and laws, believe it or not, whether um, we as a country want to admit it, is really steeped in racism to a certain degree. And so when you think about <clears throat> the people of Haiti, you know, when you think about, let, let's look at it from the history of Haiti. You know, Haiti went through a revolution and gained their independence by beating the French. Yes. And as a result of that, they were literally punished for winning their independence, not only from the U.S., but from other European countries. And they never, ever recovered from gaining their independence by basically beating up Napoleon's and his 50,000 troops out of Haiti. And as a result, the U.S. punished them. Other countries punished them. They put embargoes on them. France actually made them pay reparations of billions of dollars that it took Haiti 122 years to pay off. Other countries started not dealing with Haiti as well from a trade perspective. Go back. Haiti was one of the wealthiest countries or island in this Western hemisphere. And as a result of these African slaves winning their independence, the world punished them for it. And as a result, they've been poor. Then you have to deal with earthquakes and hurricanes. And when you don't have the money to recover, you can never get out of that hole of debt. Then you add on top of that a corrupt government. You add on top of that 
um, violence, Haitian gangs and so forth, that those folks there have been suffering for years. So you can't blame them for coming here. But then a lot of us look back at, okay, we get it. We know you guys want to come here, but then why are some countries, and I, I don't want to call countries out specifically, but I have to use Cuba in this case because Cuba had what they call a wet foot, dry foot policy. And that policy allowed them that if they were intercepted in the water coming from Cuba, which was a, a, a communist, a communist country yes. to the U.S., if they were stopped in the water, they had to be turned back to go to Cuba. But the minute they touched land, dry foot, they were allowed to stay in the United States. And you have to ask, why didn't such a policy like that ever exist for our Haitian brothers and sisters who have been suffering for hundreds of years, but yet it could be done for Cuba? Today, we know that that policy no longer exists. The Obama administration did away with it in 2017, and Trump actually added on to it and enforced more immigrants back to Cuba. But I tell you, that policy existed since the Clinton era. And as a result, many Cubans were able to come over here and earn their green card and eventually become U.S. citizen. But such an opportunity never exists for our Haitian brothers and sisters. Hold on. Are you telling me that Hillary Clinton didn't look at brown Cuban, well, brown Cubans that could that could possibly be Cuban Americans as super predators? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. I like, that. I like when you go with that. So, one. so this case, real, this real, was definitely <laughs> a husband's brother. <laughs> so, that established I, that policy there, but I know what you're going with that one. So, before we get off this segment right here, I just want to say something. Just want to say something. So, I'm very upset. It's not it's not it's not my black my black women Haitian sisters fault, but hey, you know what? Maybe they saw short that Napoleon on that island. And they was like, nah, we ain't giving him no play. They said, you know what? War time. <laughs> we'll be back with racist teachers on. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The late night flight. What the f***? This, that pilot right here. Welcome back to the Late Night Flight Nassau, new rule, Sean B. So there is a special education teacher by way of Massachusetts. Her name is Taryn Kamara. This is a post that she put out. This is a post that got her fired from her job or removed from her job, but they just reinstated her. And I believe they even basically given her back pay. But I'm going to read this comment. She said this was a sarcastic comment. I don't even know if you can make something make a comment like this sarcastically and say, hey, you know, this wasn't about nothing. Come on now. What are you, what are you talking about? So this is a, a comment 
that was posted June 5th, 2020, amid the nationwide unrest following of the murder of our King George Floyd. I'm going to read this comment. There is one supreme race and gender, and that is the white man. I also can't help but notice that race and gender were the only ones leading most of the riots. Lastly, if you look at the stats, more black men have died from other black men than white men. So there's lies. I'm sorry. So there lies two problems. No lies. There lies two problems. Okay. But there are far more inequalities that will never change. Okay. Now, you know, I do a segment called This is the BS, but I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to hit you with that. Be like, I asked you, Sean. Sean, I asked you. I ain't going to do you like that. But how in God's name did this teacher get her job back? I get it. She want to use a lawyer and say this was a sarcastic uh, remark and they won. But I'm just saying, you're a teacher. You're a white Caucasian teacher, not trying to throw your race around, but I'm just making a point. How do you even get to make this type of comment sarcastically and not and not be penalized for your position? You know, man, <clears throat> the truth of the matter is that con- that that whole comment and the outcome and then the reversal you know, it's totally unacceptable. I mean, the initial outcome of her losing her job, I think was appropriate. But as a teacher and you represent a school, you have, you know, you representing a school, you have standards, you have ethics. You are not only a representative of that school, but that school district. And for you to make that comment on social media under the disguise of the First Amendment is a bunch of BS. Because now... You're giving us some insights on how you truly feel. And yet you're the one that's teaching my kids. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So you are already, and you can only um, imagine how she might be manipulating the curriculum, how she's already putting down kids of color, saying what they can and cannot be. And, you know, and you put this person in front. I mean, the education that we get as a kid, plant the seeds that travel with us as we are adults. And this woman has the ability to make a comment like that and then get her job back with back pay for a year. Now, what does that do? I think now you have to worry, does that set the blueprint for other teachers around the country who might say it was a joke? It was sarcasm. I was quoting my First Amendment right. That First Amendment only protects what the government's involvement on First Amendment should do. But in this case, you're saying this kind of comment right out there and showing who your true, what your true colors are. Come on, man. That's just totally, totally unacceptable. And then what do they do? They reward her with her job with back pay. Now, if I'm another teacher who feels that same way and I saw that she got away with it, guess what? I'm going to be just as brazen and going to do it myself now because now you got a blueprint. You've set precedence now. So that's the danger of what we saw right there. You know, this woman actually lacks empathy and she lacks understanding of exactly our struggle and the hurt that her comments made to not only people who are looking at this story, but the kids that she are impacting and the parents who have to read and say, this is my kid's teacher. Un- totally unacceptable. And, and the state of Massachusetts totally blew it, totally blew it. All right, Sean, let me start the second story up for you. So Gordon Klein, he teaches financial analysis. He teaches law. He teaches public policy at UCLA. He filed a lawsuit uh, saying that he was basically 
uh, emotionally harassed. He had emotional distress, trauma. He had physical ailments over the fact that he was removed or suspended rather from UCLA. I'm going to show you what happened. So a non-black student gave him an email. This was in wake of George Floyd's death and that whole civil unrest that was going on in the country. Here's the email that he sent to the professor, the non-black student. We are writing to express our tremendous concern about the impact that this final exam and project will have on the mental and physical health of our black classmates. The student whose name was not released then requested a no harm final exam, meaning that it would only count if it helped a student's grade. So Klein, uh, he had a comeback for that. So this is what he said. Are there any students that may be of mixed percentage? Or I'm sorry, or mixed parentage, such as half black, half Asian. What do you suggest I do with them respectfully? A full concession or just half? Also, do you have any idea if any students are from Minneapolis? I assume that they are probably especially devastated as well. I am thinking that a white student from there might possibly be even more devastated by this, especially because some might think that they, uh, that they are racist even though they are not. Mm. Okay. Okay. So he's suing UCLA because he feels as though like, hey, even though I said something that was, that just don't even sound right. I don't even understand what any of that mean. I know what it mean, but because I do 10 minute segments, I can't even unpack that BS. That was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, you better off just saying no. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call you a racist if you would have just said, no, I'm not doing that. My man really broke down and gave you a half black, half Asian example. So let me know. It, it, is it fair or foul that I'm willing to call this man a racist? Man, you may not like my answer on this one. OK. And, and I'll tell you why, because I, I when I read that article, I had to study it for a minute. Right. And initially. I flip to the racist side, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but a lot of times I like to read, reread, and then sit back and assess what I read. And then some things kind of came to light. The, the first thing that came to light was this was a non-person of color right. that submitted this, right? right? And so then I thought, okay, let's hypothetically say this is a white boy or a white girl who didn't study for that exam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And tried to piggyback off the pain and suffering we were going through. Yes, yes. As a people, you know, with reliving and reliving in our mind and in our heart what Mr. Floyd went through with that modern day lynching by a police officer in Minneapolis. And because this professor did not give in to that. Now, was his response probably could have been a little better? Yeah. Much better. But because this student did not get the response and get this no harm tests. <laughs> All of a sudden, this person takes it a step further and go out and get petitions and then ultimately led to this professor's suspension. And as a result of that, he ended up getting dropped by law firms, not necessarily knowing all of the pieces that took place in this in this incident, right? Because let's just say again, this person tried to piggyback off our pain and suffering. Maybe I would look at it differently if it was people of color mm. that says, hey, Professor so-and-so, we're having a rough time with this right now. And we would like, hey, if you can cut us a break, give us this no harm, no foul test, we would appreciate it. But it was somebody else that did it. And it made me question 
their agenda. Mm. Mm. Because now you're trying to use our pain and suffering to get out of the test because you didn't study for it. I know. Now, I could be completely wrong. But that's what I was looking at. And the fact that part of me says, okay, I kind of understand this lawsuit. Because what happened is the university jumped to conclusions, suspended him, and now this man lost all type of consulting jobs that he'll never get back. They tarnished his reputation. They did. They did. You know what? This was definitely some white-on-white crime right here. I I never even used terms like that, but it is. We're about to get to our next destination. But before we do, we strongly recommend to drink responsibly and pass that bong to me. You feel me? (laughs) I got bars. Oh, and give us a follow on Instagram at The Late Night Flight. And give us a like on Facebook, The Late Night Flight. And thank you for flying The Late Night Flight. Welcome back to The Late Night Flight. Nasua, new rule, Sean B. We are going to talk about the state of BET. Is the BET network the best place for us to watch us? So I got some numbers for you, Sean. I have some numbers of some shows. Okay. All right. I got some numbers for some shows. Before I tell you one number, I do want to apologize to Kelly Price. So last episode, my boy Jers was talking about Kelly Price almost passing away and then coming back to life because of COVID. And I said that I'm happy that she's alive, Sean, because she has an opportunity to make another hit because the last song I ever heard her make was Heartbreak Hotel. So I have to apologize to Miss Price. She actually has been doing something the last two or three years. It's just that it was on a, a network that I never watched. So have you heard of American Soul? Nope, I haven't. Okay, so American Soul is a show based on Don Cornelius, the young Don Cornelius, and Soul Train Dancers. She's in this show. It's been oh, on. you right. She plays the mother. Right, right. So check this out, though. It's been on for two seasons. It may come on a third. They say they might bring it back in 2022. We don't know, but I know if they don't, if they don't bring it back, I know why. Six hundred and twenty thousand weekly viewers. Okay. Okay. Let's go with the Oval, Tyler Perry. All right. I don't know if you watch the Oval, but a lot of people say this is horrible. Now, this is Tyler Perry, though. And Tyler Perry does have a demographic of 65 in debt. Okay. So with that being said, <laughs> this show, me. this show has averaged 851,000 viewers per week, which is not bad, even though you want to get to a million viewers. A million viewers will not only keep you there. Like on, on, on TV, on your TV slot, but it might make a network give you a, a couple of extra mil on top and be like, nah, we give you an extension. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because we know that it's so much content in the world, period, right now. Like this streaming platforms, normal cable networks, you're still your syndicated channels like ABC, Fox, um, ABC, all that good stuff. CBS, Fox, ABC, NBC, you know what I'm talking about. And right. so it's content everywhere now. Like you can get it from your stick. You can get it from your cable box. Whatever, your, your black box, I don't know, whoever, your local plumber that say, I got a deal, I got a guy that know a guy that can still use some channels, everybody got a way to go watch something. The point I'm making is BET is just sucking up a storm. So, Boomerang. Boomerang, this is a, a show on BET that is executive produced by my ex-wife, Holly Berry. Have you heard of her? <laughs> Have you met my ex-wife? Man, I've crushed on your ex-wife for a long time. I'm asking for forgiveness early. I like cats because of Holly Berry. All right. So (laughs) (laughs) that show averages 412,000 viewers per week. Seems like Eddie Murphy is not a part of that show. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a couple of outliners. We talked about this off, um, off the air. 
being Mary Jane, which was, uh, I believe that stopped, I don't know, 2010, 2011. It could have been maybe, maybe about six years back. I don't know. That averaged 2.7 million viewers a week. 1.1 of those viewers were black women. Now I'm going to bring you back real fast. Um, sisters, which was, um, that's like girlfriends, but even blacker because Tyler Perry made it. And that the season finale was a million, was basically a million plus views. But on wow. average, it was 880,000. And here goes, um, then he got another show called Assistant Living. This was a, um, a sitcom. It averages 567,000 views. Now the ones that's under a million, they either been canceled or they're about to be. They only been lasting for two seasons or less. American Soul, Assisted Living, and um, Boomerang to be exact. The Oval is still on. Um, Sisters is still on. And then for people that's going to say to me, well, people's not watching, people not watching cable anymore. Everybody's streaming. Just, I love when people say that. Because you can stream cable channels too, for, for those who don't know. The mm-hmm. OWN Network, which is a network where you have to pay a top tier price for that type of package if you're dealing with cable or if you're dealing with YouTube TV. The have and have nots on the own network. Okay. This is not Greenleaf. This is the have and have nots. This is the worst show on the own network, in my opinion. I, I, I tell you right now, I'd rather you watch Green, uh, uh, Greenleaf or Queen Sugar before you even think about watching have and have nots. They average a million, two hundred thousand viewers a week. That Jeez. terrible soap opera. That is the worst soap opera. I'm talking about that soap opera so bad. I give a call to the white people and say, can you please bring all my children back? <laughs> like, can y'all please show Tyler Perry how to do this right? This is, this is terrible. <laughs> like my grandmother be like, nah, nah, child. I still watch the Young and Restless on, 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 a, on a CBS streaming app. I ain't got no time for this crap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> terrible programming by our, by our black people. Well, a black person. And my thing is, if you're going to give a director full access to your studio and let them produce shows, why not Issa Rae? Why not Ice Cube? Why not Ryan Coogler? All right. Black Panther has been the greatest black American movie the last five years running. No disrespect to Moonlight. I'm just saying Black Panther was that movie. They told right. a real black issue that only black people understood where white people and Spanish people had to sit back and say, you know what? If we're going to be down with them, we got to at least be quiet and see what their issues are. Like that was a real issue. The African American versus African American. That's a mm. real issue in America. Deep storyline. It deep was a story deep storyline. And my thing is, how do you not have somebody that made a storyline like that? You know this man has, he's, he's a director. You think this man don't have TV uh, ideas? I mean, the Cohen brothers started doing Married With Children before they started doing Burn Without Reading. I mean, these are called transitions, people. Why not ask Issa, who has made Insecure, has been nominated for Emmys, for Insecure. Why not ask Ryan Coogler, who has been nominated for an Oscar for Black Panther? Why not ask Ice Cube, who has made tons of great content for, I don't want to say like young and old Black Americans, but let's say if you are 10 to 65 years old, I think there's an Ice Cube product, whether he directed it or not, that you're like, I'm a fan of that. What say you to anything that I said? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Is BET the place that we should be watching? Should we, should we be watching TV One? Should we be watching Bounce? Do you even know those two cable networks, even though they're run by black people such as Magic Johnson? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you know. Talk to me. 
you know, man, you I have to try to unpack. You gave me a big old onion here, so let me try to unpack it the best I can. Layers, you know, Sean. When it comes layers, to, it's called <laughs> layers, Sean. Major layers. <laughs> when it comes to Tyler Perry, I'm hit or miss. You know, lately I've been more missed than hit. Um, Tyler Perry, and you you sort of alluded to it either a few minutes ago or, or in our production discussion. You know, I will always support the success of Tyler Perry. I will never down a minority or anybody who's doing and following their dreams to be successful. Kudos to them. I love it. I appreciate what he does for entertainment. I appreciate it what he does on his humanitarian side. He is the best. He does a lot for the community. He is the best cross-dressing actor I have ever saw in my life, okay? Martin Lawrence, Jamie Foxx, Nick Cannon... Everybody that did uh, Tu Wong Fu, you, you two, Wesley Snipes, and John Legazamo, Le- and, and Patrick Swayze, you have nothing against. Nothing on. I said nothing against. You have nothing on Tyler Perry. Hello? Continue. I'm sorry. I wanted to put that out there. Exactly. So, and I applaud that. But where I think Tyler is going wrong, right, in his success, and you, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about these other content creators and producers and directors, is by not looping them in and bringing them in to work with him because Tyler, like to me, my perception of Tyler is he likes this control where he wants to be the writer, the director, the producer. And now he has built a studio. Look how much money is going to Tyler. Now he got credit for everything, but as a result, right, he has now built this bubble around him that he can't even, in my opinion, visualize or see his own vulnerabilities when it comes to producing. And a lot of his content, you can tell off the bat, it's a Tyler Perry production. And I'm like, oh God, the writing in this thing stinks. Uh All the money you have, why don't you go ahead and bring in some other writers? I mean, you, some of your shows had some great opportunities. They have some great plot lines, but you can almost tell that his stories are almost very they're, 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 they almost seem to be duplicative on all of his shows. You can just tell that the way they're constructed, the way they're structured, you can tell that's a Tyler Perry production. And unfortunately for me, I don't like too many of his shows. Very, and when you talk about his movies, I don't care for too many of his movies. Probably out of all of them, I may have liked maybe one show, maybe three movies. And he has a lot of content out there. But I agree, he's not cutting it for me. But I am still proud of his success. Now, is BET the network for us? I think that that's going to be depending on who you are. You, you talked about the age difference. If you are a Tyler Perry fan, if you are somebody that supports him and his movement and his shows, BET is for you. But for somebody like me who've kind of evolved in my thinking, I yet I loved BET when I was growing up. Why? Because at that time, um, MTV wasn't playing our, our, our music. You know, we had to go to BET to get our shows and hear our artists, our favorite artists, whether it be R&B, whether it be hip hop. I mean, big ups to Rap City, big ups to Video Soul. You know, unfortunately, hey, I had to give big ups to Uncut. Remember BET Uncut that had the late night videos? You watching, you watching Tip Drill by Nelly, you're like, oh, Exactly. Man. That's the first thing that comes to everybody's mind when you think BET Uncut. That was the Nelly first time. Tip Drill, right? 
Watching Tip Drill on BET Uncut, that was the first time I ever threw money at a television. Continue. I'm sorry. Just wanted to put that out. Wow. You didn't use your ATM card right now? <laughs> first of all, I was 16 years old. I didn't have no uh, ATM oh, okay, card. I just, okay, had, I just had 20 singles from McDonald's from the check that I had. But it's all good, though. It's all good. It's all good. But again, this gave a platform <laughs> and exposed us to so many artists that we've heard on the radio that we certainly was not seeing on MTV. We probably wasn't seeing it on the box if you ordered it and you didn't get it in in time before you had to leave. And so forth. So BET gave us that. I appreciated that growing up. I enjoyed a little bit of Teen Summit when I wanted to oh, kind of get some class. insights and, and for them to expand the mind of young teenagers. I absolutely, I enjoyed BET News. It was nothing like seeing Ed Gordon yes. and other folks up there really sharing the news from our perspective. But all of those shows, now minus BET Uncut, but a lot of those shows are no longer part of the program. And, and not to and, cut you off, Sean, and that's my issue right there. It, I don't understand why BET act as if that type of programming won't work right now right. For, for that right. network. Right. It's like they're trying so many different things and none of it's working. Like we right. have the lowest rated award show with the BET award show. It only averages 2.7 million viewers and it, and it gets simulcasted on MTV now. It, I mean, it's like they give themselves opportunity for viewership. I'll give them that. But they don't put out good content and good ideas for people to want to view them. And then Correct. meanwhile, 50 Cent, who has probably right now the best black American show in the country, you don't even pick up that show and buy it. What you want to do is play their uh, reruns like you do with Martin or the Waynes Brothers. And I just find that truly, truly, truly ridiculous. MTV, they may not put on great programming the way I'm talking about BET, because at least they put on some type of sitcoms and dramas. I'm talking about BET. But with MTV reality style programming, guess what? White people come support it. They support ridiculousness. They support roll rage or roll rules, whatever the crap they got. Catfish, Louisiana fraud catfish. I don't know what the name of these shows, but people watch this stuff. Right. Well, you know what? From a 50, from a 50 cent perspective, the only reason I could see why he wouldn't bring power over to BET is because it, it would restrict him from doing what he wants to do. You know what I'm saying? For, for example, I'll, I'll compare power to Empire, which was on Fox. Mm. You have to wonder if they had put Empire on a cable programming network with, 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 with Empire had been better because then, you know, now you'll see uh, realistic things that we actually do in the streets for real, which you might see in power. You're going to see a little bit of cursing and you're going to see sex scenes and, and these sex scenes are a lot more exposed than you'll see on the actual network. And so I, I suspect 50 wanted to be a little bit more real. He wanted his show to be meal, a little more realistic on what happens in the streets for real, as opposed to having those restrictions if he goes to a BET network. I don't know about that, so Sean. They that had, I can understand. I don't know, Sean. They had, they had the Wayne Wade wife half naked with black people on BET for four years on that show. I don't know, dog. I do half not naked. That's know. fine. But you know, man, on power. Well, I'd rather, I'd rather see Gabrielle naked than Lala. Sorry, my, my opinion. <laughs> I was about to say, I, oh, oh, I, no, I get where you're coming from. Thank you for flying the late night flight. Shout out to all the pilots who contribute to the fastest rising podcast. If you want to contribute, DM us at the late night flight. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pilot right here. 